When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On the channel, we've got podcast series and content on a variety of subjects, including mental health, football, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, music, wrestling, and more. All our shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation or audio at the usual podcasting platforms such as Apple Pods, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, many more. You can keep up to date on upcoming shows by following us on the uh, the old social machine, uh, facebook.com slash acecastnation or twitter at acecast underscore nation. Uh, so today's guest is someone I've wanted to, to get on for a while. I'm a big fan of his podcast and this as well as the subject of his podcast. Uh, the Oasis podcast is the only podcast radio show uh, dedicated to the most influential influential band of the 90s, Oasis. Uh, they delve into the history of the group as well as discussing many areas of uh, music and pop culture with interviews and content. Uh, so I'm very happy to welcome James from the Oasis podcast. Welcome, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Just to just to um, correct you briefly, when I'm, that's that's my blurb, uh, which yes. I wrote a while ago before the official Oasis podcast came out. Ah, listen okay. up. So there is another one now. And then since then, a couple of other um, chances have sprung up with their own Oasis podcast, but they're not as good as uh, mine. Mine's really no. the official and official one. Absolutely. You're, yours is the original, the OG one. Exactly. Yeah, well, it, it, I think the thing is, that shows that not only is it a quality podcast, but it's a good idea as well that people sort of cottoned on to it after you had done it, after you had started doing it and uh, started yeah. doing their own well, I think that that's the thing with with podcasts, and and I sort of had a um, a brief go at a podcast like years and years ago with a mate of mine, um, a bit of a mixture of music. But we only recorded about two or three episodes, and it was one of those things that we were just getting round to it. And and so many podcasts sort of drop off after a handful of episodes, and yeah. so starting this one two and a half years ago now, I just didn't want that to happen, you know, because so many of them they start and they. Off after a handful of episodes, and I thought, no, don't do that. I've got to be consistent and just get on with it. And uh, yeah, so I'm really pleased. Like you know, you're talking to me today at a point where I'm going to pass 500,000 listens today. That's incredible. Um, like half, half, of, half, of, boom, half a million, half a million, <laughs> half a million. Crazy, isn't it? Half a million people. I know. Listen to you like talking and speaking to people is crazy. It's but um, mental, yeah. it's, it's, it's like I was speaking to the, the guy I did a podcast last night with. It's like technology's changed the game for podcasts because you can you can do them from just your house or your office and mm-hmm. you can speak to people all over the world. And generally, you know, the connection is pretty stable and it's good and you can it can be just like a phone call. Um, and I think that kind of changed the game for people who wanted to get into podcasting because they no longer had to do it in you know in person or have a studio or somewhere mm. to to record it they can just do it like i do do it from your house do it from whenever uh, but you're right a lot of podcasts they either like start and they do some episodes and then they drop off or the the reg like they're not as regular so you'll get yeah. like those initial episodes and then there's a big gap and then it's not like every wednesday or you know whatever mm. day it may mm. be but like we're um so 
by the time this goes out, I think this is going to be episode number 103 for us. But next week, as we record this, I'm going to Wednesday will be the 100th episode for us, which is it's, it's really mad to me because we haven't been going been going since May. Mm. So we've uh, been churning out the guests and content, as it were. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. we what we really need is a Liam Gallagher podcast. I think that would be uh, that would be the way to go. Yeah, well, so Liam just does his own show. I, I, that would be hilarious, you know. Um, yeah. you know, I remember. I don't know how close you followed it, but a few years ago on the later Oasis tours, Noel would do like a blog, um, and it would basically he would like because he didn't really understand the internet but he just tap it into his phone he would like text it and uh it was like tales from the middle of nowhere it was called and that was really entertaining because you're just getting this general backstage sort of you know normal stuff that that it isn't really that much of a big deal but you know just when you're getting these little insights into life on the road with oasis it was it was fantastic and yeah and even stuff like liam's documentary that came out um earlier this year, really interesting but that's that's what i'm often more interested in is just sort of the the backstage like reality of the life of what it must be like for for these guys and and that's one of the things that's quite cool about the episodes I've done I've spoke to quite a few people that have been either in the band or, or um you know played for um support bands and things like that and you just get that more more there and go oh live forever is amazing but I'd much more be interested to hear about you know, what was it like? How did you get the call to go and support them or, or you know, people that were the road managers or whatever. So that stuff to me, that actual inside kind of knowledge about what it was like being in that band. And then in the years since, this is really interesting. I'm really pleased to be bringing it. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like if you get like an intimate feel to what it was like, like, and I think also people forget like people see the glamorous side of, um, you know, like being the lead singer of Oasis or in the band Oasis. But ultimately, like these guys, when they go on tour, it's uh, it's nonstop, like traveling. And mm. it's I think it's no wonder they get a bit irritable with each other, should we say, mm. uh, especially then when you add in siblings and copious amounts of alcohol and other such stuff. It's, it's always going to kind of cause friction, I think. But um so I know you've had some really interesting guests on your show, um, which obviously I'd like to talk about some of those in a minute. But I just wanted to get um, get sort of in your own words how you ended up sort of getting started with it, where the idea came from, and uh, like that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So I um, was obviously a big Oasis fan back in the day. Um, I did media at uni and I was on the radio station at uni and did a, a sort of a, this was in like I was, you know, at uni from 98 to 2001. So in the year either 99 or 2000, I did like a documentary uh, called Tides of the 90s about like the 90s music. So I was like already mm-hmm. doing like retro 90s stuff when it was only still just about the 90s. Um, and then sort of didn't do anything else really dropped out didn't um do anything sort of media wise really for years and years and then it was as i mentioned briefly i I sort of another guy i was mates with you know from uni so we half recorded a couple of podcast episodes but it didn't really go anywhere and then it was really getting an iphone i mean that's the big step i'd be i love podcasts i look at all the time and uh i sort of thought about you know doing various things i wasn't sure what subject to do because i'm interested in like film and tv and sport and there's all these different things I'm into um you know in a big part yeah and so i looked for years for the oasis podcast and there just never was one and so it was really getting an iphone i thought well now i've got the ability to record with literally this little device in my pocket that can do anything um sort of spoke to a mate of mine who's got a movies podcast called the movie multiverse and he sort of told me about audacity and how you do the editing software and you can get this all online for free so literally one day i just get in my pocket just press record and said welcome to the oasis podcast and this is who i am and this is what i'm going to try and do with this and then plugged it into audacity had a bit of a play around edited in a few sort of song clips and stuff like that and then put it out and then within a few weeks it was well literally in a couple of days i had hundreds of listens i think people were just ready and went for 
an Oasis podcast. And so I was like, oh, Christ, OK, we need to get a bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> get a bit more serious with this now. So I thought that was pinged over a few emails just to a few people in the world um, and a couple of people came back and said yes and so I was like oh right so it looks like we're doing interviews then mm-hmm. so I had like the this guy Mark Felton who plays harmonica on the master plan and a few and round our way and a few other tracks and then we got Brian Cannon the sleeve designer who did all the um, you know the early Oasis sleeves through to be here now and that was a you know as soon as I've got Brian Cannon then it was like then and that's your calling card because it was like, okay this guy's serious he, he you know he's got some big names so yeah, yeah. And it sort of took off from Gosh. just lagged a bit there damn i cursed it when i said that it was gonna i hadn't had any problems with it just cut out completely i don't know if you can still hear me but um it's just cut out I can completely. Still hear you, fine. Uh, right there you are you pull your back again. Ah, so frustrating. Um, oh, bleh. why did I? Why did I open my mouth? Right, you are back. Um, so I'll carry on. I can take that bit out. But yeah, is that I mean having guests like that is really like it's a bit of a game changer, isn't it? Because like you say, once people see, um, you know that type of guest on your show, I think particularly people from, you know, in and around the bands or in the music industry, they see that level of guests and they, you know, they're more likely to agree to come on and speak to you. And I think, like, you've had Alan, Alan McGee on, haven't you? And, um, you know, like a few other... Alan McGee was... Uh, I listened to a bit of that episode. I haven't finished it yet. But um, mm-hmm. he's got some stories, I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan was an interesting one because I'd had a few messages back and forth with him on Instagram for probably a year and um you know and he's obviously he's unbelievably busy and, and he's got you know all kinds of stuff going on all the time and i'd messaged him a few times you know it was like you sort of drop a message you don't want to be like an over pushy kind of stalker type person but you know he would sort of drop a message back saying uh i i'd love to but you know i'm good friends with both gallagher's and i don't want to you know i think people are wary in this world that they might I might just be trying to get them to stir up or maybe that's yeah. what I'm interested because a lot of interviewers are just like, oh, they just want you to, to sort of be on one side or the other and then try and, you know, then the podcast title is uh, Alan McGee, you know, hates Noel Gallagher or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and then and I think he's been he's been screwed over by people like that before. You mentioned he did an interview with a newspaper about his homelessness charity. And then literally as he's walking out the door, they say, oh, so, but, but, you know, just, you know, do you think they'll ever get back together? So, who knows? Forget all the stuff about the charity. Alan McGee says Oasis might get back together. And she's like, oh, for God's sake, you know. But but no, so Alan was, you know, really lovely. I met him. I met him in London, did those in person. And I met him in London first. And I think he just wanted to just sort of get the feel of who I am and, and yeah. you know, check. I wasn't trying to sort of screw him over um, or sort of, you know, trying, I wouldn't get him in trouble basically. And then, um, you know, when I, I re- recorded with him and sent it to him and, you know, I said, look, you listen to this, make sure that you're happy with everything. And, uh, a couple of us had to sort of take out and tweak that he said, Oh, actually, you know, I don't put that in. And I was more than happy to, to make those changes for him. And yeah. And then now I'm actually, I wouldn't say I'm mates with him, but you know, I texted him quite a bit and, um, uh, you know, and I've now done a couple of live events, which yeah, that's really yeah, um, it's that's awesome, isn't it? And I think, unfortunately, whether it's newspapers or you know people, they they spoil it because you know as Oasis fans like yourself or for me, like you know we just want to kind of hear the stories and ask mm-hmm. questions, talk about what it was like during that time, and then because they're all a lot of the people around them within it are wary of being screwed over by the media mm-hmm. because of you know over the years how many stories do you see about people who've said one thing and then it's twisted into something else, you know, in newspapers and whatever. Um, and it kind of spoils it for everyone else because people, you know, Oasis fans around the world, they would just want to hear Adam McGee talk about, you know, those days and all the different mm. things that went on. Um, so it's good that, you you know, you got him on. And, uh, and like I say, I'm, I think I'm about 
halfway through at the moment. I listen to too many podcasts, so I get I get like halfway through, <laughs> and then I then a new one comes out which I like to look off, and then I end up kind of listening to that, and then I go back to the other one. But yeah, mm. I like I'm a proper '90s kid. I I like I still dress like I'm in the '90s. I like all I all listen to like absolute '90s constantly. If I'm not listening to my own sort of music or podcasts in the car, my kids are getting a bit sick of it now. They want to listen to like stuff from <laughs> from the last sort of 10 years or something but yeah and I think and like I look back on the 90s as well and even the the kind of crappy pop music is good to me now whereas mm. I don't enjoy a great deal of uh kind of new music like there was um there was a period I think most probably the way I am with age and time probably about 10 years ago I reckon when like bands like Hard Fight and a few others like The Enemy and stuff like that where mm. I kind of got back into more current music but I kind of fade back. I end up going back to like Oasis and the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays and, and mm. stuff like that or I listen to a lot of like The Doors as well. What sort of um, music do you listen to like day to day? Mm. Not much. <laughs> Not mm. much actually. Um, it's quite sad to say I I kind of um, went off music a lot. I think it was um, podcasts, really. I'm just more interested in podcasts, and, and that's what I tend to find myself listening to all the time. Um, I do try and keep up with new music, and, and I end up, you know, doing the podcast now. I end up sort of listening to a lot of music because um, I'm interviewing someone. So, for instance, the next episode is going to be an interview with this guy, Alex Lipinski, um, who's a sort of singer-songwriter, um, English guy. He played with the big Oasis connection. It's him and Bonehead had a band in the mid-2010s sort of um, called Phony and the Freaks. And so it's like a, you know, a, but he's just a great singer-songwriter in that sort of, you know, Dylan, Nick Drake kind of traditions. So I've listened to a lot of his stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting way of getting you know of uh, finding out because there's even people like you know uh, it was a guy called tim smith who was the guitar player in noel's band for the first couple of years of the high flying birds and then he was sort of sacked and they've got gemin now but um yeah i mean he had you know really great stuff in his own uh, um in his own as far as really but um yeah you know i wish i'd had more time for new music but i find that i think it's a problem with having too much choice is that i'll listen to something and just go like no i'll give it one listen no i didn't really like the sound of it right and then go back to the beatles or go back to you know uh 90s stuff so yeah it is um i, I don't know it's, it's difficult like I, I don't know if you've ever heard the Britpop revival show um which is on like a wednesday at six o'clock it's down at um they record it down exeter but you can get it online and so i listen to that um most weeks because you know a mate of mine does it who's been on the podcast and and um i'll hear something on that and just you know like a track i've never heard before by some 90s band that i didn't really, really follow and if this was a new band this would be my favorite new thing i've heard for years you know it really would and it's like oh no it was just you know by soda or the flamingos or one of these other yeah. 90s bands that never really made it and you think no it isn't it isn't that i'm biased it is just that <laughs> you know it's not as good it's like the yeah. gif i use quite a lot is there's a, there's a brilliant of um uh, principal skinner from the simpsons going um am i out of touch no it's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> On, uh, on Twitter and stuff, because that is that is pretty much me. I'm going, no! Yeah, the, the thing with it, I think, just like, for me, like, this, I look back at the 90s, and, and even, like I said, the music I listen to now is largely based around that time, because there were so many awesome bands and good acts and singers and songwriters, and then... I find that other stuff, more recent stuff, just doesn't, it never quite compares to to it. And, you know, my wife thinks it's just because it's like a, like a comfort thing that you kind of, you grew up with mm. it and you just, you know, that's what you listened to for so many years that you don't really, uh, or she thinks I don't, I won't give new stuff a, a chance. But I just, have, I, if I hear a good song, I'll 
get it or I'll listen to it and I'll mm. go back to it. But and like I'm quite varied in my musical tastes. Like I don't just like um, like indie music. I quite like some some sort of hip hop. But a lot of the hip hop I like is from the nineties and the mm. early two thousands. Yeah, I don't really like like new mm. sort of hip hop and rap and stuff like that. Mm. And it's the same with bands. I kind of just like there's not a lot mm. of new stuff which I like. But um, one of the one of my favorite bands that I ever saw live was James, who I think they mm. were supporting uh, Oasis in Cardiff. And it was such an awesome gig because you had James first, who I would have paid to see on their mm. own, and then Oasis straight after. Um, I didn't even know if James still together. I'd be very interested to know if they were still going. I think that they... I'm sure they toured a couple of years ago. I think they're one of these bands that sort of will tour... And then sort of, you know, split up and Tim Booth will go off and do something else for a bit. And then they'll tour again a couple of years later, I think. But I'll, I'll yeah. give you a funny one about James. So we we did the the Tony McCarroll. The first live event I did was in May at the Waterettes in London. There's an interview with Tony McCarroll on stage. And we had different bands on as well. And um, and one of my, a mate of mine from home, he looked at it and because my name's James. And so it said like James and then Tony McCarroll and, da, da, da. and then my, and my mate George from home was like, oh, I thought you had James playing. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, mate, it's 12 quid a ticket. <laughs> I'm not going to have James. <laughs> so yeah, he goes, oh, so James. anyway, but yeah, so we didn't have James, but you know, Tim, if you're watching, you are more than welcome to play at one of our live events. Absolutely. So uh, how did the life live events uh, get started for you then well it was a it was a funny one because i um i i was in a band uh in the late 90s and um me and the, the sort of the guys from the bands don't get to see each other very much but we'll meet up every couple of years we'll sort of try and arrange a meetup and we were gonna we we're trying to arrange a meetup for this um last may and it was one of those right well if we're gonna meet up you know should we try and tie it in with going to see an oasis tribute band because we're all big oasis fans and I was like, well, hold on a minute. If I'm, I know all the Oasis tribute bands and I've got li- listeners. So, well, if I'm going to do that, well, why don't I book a venue and book an Oasis tribute band and sell tickets? And, uh, and then I can, you know, might actually make some money from it and obviously provide a wonderful experience for all the listeners that come. And then, um, but then literally Tony McCarroll contacts me and says, oh, I'm looking to do these Q and A's um this year he's like you know basically he's got a proper job and he took a year off from it and was like right i'm going to do with it being 25th anniversary of definitely maybe i want to go and do some q a's and dj stuff around the country so brilliant well let's tie in and, and do a q a with tony then and um you know and get a couple of bands to play and stuff so it 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 literally uh, but no it was brilliant you know he physically sat at the kit and played a bit of supersonic which was like magic and uh yeah and the whole evening went really well um i sang on stage like my me and a couple of the guys from the band sort of did a couple of oasis covers which was really good um but no it was a really great event you know i really really enjoyed it um and then we've just done i've done another couple now with uh, a company called tora tora that worked with mcgee so the mcgee ones i've done it's not been like i haven't organized it and stuff i yeah. just stepped in to host those which were really good and then uh, and then Glasgow, we just did another one with Tony a couple of weeks ago uh, up in Glasgow, which was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so it's been great. Um, there's quite a lot of stress and hassle to organise. And and it means that the podcast, you know, I spend a lot of the time in the podcast, like hassling people to buy tickets and stuff. And obviously, if you're in America or if you're in, you know, Exeter, you're not going to come to Glasgow. So I'm aware it probably you know, it doesn't make the podcast as much fun to listen to. So I'm going to knock those on the head for a bit, I think. We might might look at some bits again next year. Yeah, but... It must be quite the, yeah. you know, quite the experience and stuff to, you know, to to do live events with people, you know, like um, who've been in, you know, Tony McCarroll, been in Oasis. That must have been mm. like such a, just from a fan point of view. And I suppose you you kind of, because you're there to do a job yourself as well as hosting it, you kind of get lost in that. But also as as a fan, you must have been like quite a cool moment being on stage with him. And... It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, the, 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 I think with the first one in May, I bit off a bit more than I could chew because not only was I doing the interview, 
and doing all the hosting as in bringing the bands on and, and sort of organizing it and make sure the tickets all went okay and all that sort of stuff but i was singing as well you know i'd sort yeah. of you know we'd we'd sort of said we do kind of 20 years and so i thought well let's just do it you know i'm, I'm around like it's a safe space it's all listen to the stuff you know and if we're just doing oasis covers um you know it, no one will really mind it's not like you're doing um you know your own stuff yeah and that was a lot of like stress really and it was just like okay let's just get through part three but as soon as the, the interview started i mean the, the main thing was it was just so rowdy like there was everyone was drunk and really excited to be there with tony and people just going like tony you're a legend, mate and all this <laughs> stuff so so that was really it was more like it wasn't like a you know like i'm being brought on to do a chat show or something like a series like a, a literary event or something like that you know it was much more like a you know everyone's going Ray! and and i'm just sort of really trying to control the crowd really. yeah. so i didn't have time to be kind of nervous because i was just like you know ask tony a question and then try and try and you know tell people to shut up and let him do the answer without them going like tony or like fuck noel or any of that stuff. So it was, uh, yeah it was yeah, that sounds like it would be quite stressful. I gotta be honest. The yeah. Mm. So what? Um, like what band members? Or tell us about you know to some of the guests you've had on, whether they've been in the band or around the band or support bands, because I know you've had a lot of uh, a lot of cool guests on. Yeah, no, I really have. One that the the important thing for me was, um, I wanted it to be, um, you know, the the. For the people as well so so it's a mixture of people that were either part of the inner circle of oasis whether it was physically in the band support bands managers you know people that were just involved in it in some way um and then also um you know people that were been inspired by them and then gone on to do other stuff or that were just mates with them and things like that so and it's meant that i've got to speak to some real heroes of mine so for instance i'm a big boxing fan i interviewed ricky hatton earlier this year which was just you know for me it was absolutely incredible i mean it was only like 15 minutes on the phone but i'm talking to ricky Hatton. you know that for me was as big as anything because i i I, you know massive boxing fan massive ricky Hatton fan i flew to las vegas to watch him fight floyd mayweather and and now i'm you know speaking to him on the phone it was amazing um so ricky was great uh, and, I mean, in the world of sport, like Ken Doherty, you know, Ken Doherty's a big Oasis fan, you know, the snooker player. So it's like, this is just cool, you know. But then it's also um, a lot of the human interest stories as well. So, you know, I've had a couple of people on that have like, you know, had very serious illnesses, cancer and things, and they've sort of come through it. And Oasis has been a big part of their life and you know, saved their life, you know. And, and mm. then interesting as well so sure because you know so many people you know and they might just, but, but really what's the insight other than oh i saw them at nebworth it was amazing great you know i've, I've spoke yeah. to i could speak to a million people that saw them and said it was great but what it means more to me and what i find more interesting is you know and it changed my life for these reasons so yeah yeah so it's, it's it's good you know i'm always interested in you know hearing other stories as well if people have you know, uh, watching this and have got a particular story connected to it, then, you know, do get in touch because as I say, it isn't, you know, anyone that's got an interesting story, I'm more than happy to speak to, um, you know, cause it's not, it, it's about the whole, you know, Oasis were a band of the people and, and the, that was so much important part of that whole story um, in a way that I don't think, you know, Radiohead or, or even Blur or something like that, I don't think it would be as much. I think Oasis are probably like similar to the Manics or similar to the Smiths where, the people and the the interaction with people and the fandom is a huge huge part of what they're all about so so yeah and I'm, I'm really happy to that that is part of what we do yeah it's um i think is with music generally is it affects people in such a way that years later you can think back to something so whether it's um could be an illness or uh something good which has happened so like for me personally uh, when I was 16, my father died, and one of the things which got me through that initial period, you know, like the sort of the six months straight after, was uh, listen, Ian Brown's uh, first solo album had just come out, oh, really? and and Oasis, 
um, obviously was they were my, like Stone Roses and Oasis was my two favorite bands, and I listened to Ian Brown's album almost on repeat for about six mm. months, and that got me through that because I didn't want. I was like sixteen year old boy. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about um, how I was feeling and stuff like that. And music got me through that just by because you you take when you're emotional, you take more. Uh, you just take more notice of the words which are being, you know, have been written by the songwriters and the singers, and um, yeah, I just think music is just a different, uh, different animal to all other forms of entertainment because mm. I think, you know, a good songwriter or a good song written by a talented songwriter can can really affect you um, emotionally, or it can, when you hear that song years later, it can take you right back into the you know, that emotion. So quite often if I hear um, uh, My Style by Ian Brown, it takes me mm. right back into my bedroom and sitting there on my mm. own. And I had a, like a red light and <laughs> po- like posters everywhere. And I like I'm still smoking like a chimney then. Um, but like it was, it just takes me back. And that's why I, even though I, I'm similar to you, I don't listen to music now like I used to you know, 20 years ago for various reasons, whether it's podcasts or doing podcasts mm. or like just kids and mm. life generally. But mm. I do, uh, I do enjoy, I enjoy talking about music and I just listening to it. It's just, I don't know. It's uh, it's just mm. different to everything else. Yeah. There's something very special about, about music itself, you know, and people have written about it for years, how that is, you know, you've got books or you've got films or you've got all these other things, whereas there is just something so special about music and whether that's the, you know, classical music or then when, when you've got, you know, words to it as well. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that, you know, Oasis connect with people in this way that not many other bands do. And yet their people are, are often very rude about their, their lyrics, you know, that, that yeah. oh, he just knocks them out on the back of the fag packet. You know, I saw Liam Gallagher this week at Birmingham Arena and, you know, and he plays Supersonic, right? And Supersonic is the most stupid lyrics of you can possibly get, you know, and yet there's thousands of people, arms around each other, singing like this is like some Christian, you know, yeah. hymn. You know, I know a girl called Elsa, she's into Elka Seltzer, she sniffs it through a cane on a supersonic train. And they're singing. But it's just something special about being in that place with all these people, celebrating this, this mix of words and melody and, and chords. It's, it's, it's magic. It is, it, music is magic. Yeah, they had, Oasis were just special in the, the, the the melodies and the the lyrics even though you could say like you say sometimes maybe the lyrics are not the most complex there was just something special about them um and the time you know the time obviously it was the right time for a a, a rock and roll band if you like to to get back into the forefront of the sort of music business but mm. and like obviously the you know the brit sort of the brit pop or the indie um scene in that in that you know in the 90s was just incredible even the bands who i don't necessarily think were were my cup of tea at the moment at the time i i look back and i think god they were really good like yeah, you know, yeah. i'm not, i'm not a massive radiohead fan but i really like the uh, the one album i really like is pablo honey it's one of my favorite albums all right. of all time but i'm not really into radiohead but then again i compare it to stuff which i've heard like more recently over the like the 15 last 15 years or so and i think wow you know we were blessed in the 90s of mm. you know really good bands all the way up to, into the early 2000s really um okay so just uh, i'm gonna ask you a couple of questions just yeah, uh, yeah. just general questions uh for the last sort of 10 minutes or so so do you um do you think they will get back together? That's the question, isn't it? That's the question. <laughs> it's a nice, nice well, easy how, answer. How long, did it, how long did it take to get there? Okay. Um, so, short, medium, or long answer? As long as you want. <laughs> okay. So, in reality, when we talk about Oasis getting back together, what we really mean is Liam and Noel Gallagher. 
right? Yeah. Because um, Noel Gallagher is never going to. Noel Gallagher is managed by Ignition, who own, who are still the manager of Oasis, right? So legally, I don't think Liam Gallagher, even though Noel left Oasis, so in two thousand and nine, when Noel left Oasis, Liam legally could have carried on instead of calling it BDI, he could have called it Oasis, right? I think legally he probably could have done that, but he chose not to. And I think everyone would accept that Oasis without either Liam or Noel would not be Oasis, right? Yeah. So, so that's just point number one. This is the long version. Point number two is, um, so we're saying that they have to, you have to have a Liam and Noel together and we can worry about, you know, who else is that right now you've got a situation where Noel is married to a woman called Sarah and Liam hates Sarah and Liam will regularly insult Sarah. He calls her a witch. He's written songs about her. He insults her on stage. He's been rude about her looks. It's, you know, it's outrageous, really. You know, like yeah. um, that, you know, imagine if you were like that with your brother or whatever. It's just it's not OK. But anyway, and then you can say, and, and Liam fans would jump like, oh, well, Sarah said this about him or whatever. But anyway, so there's the point you get. Liam and Noel's wife don't get on. And so then all these other things have happened because of that, like, um, you know, little wars and little bits like Noel posted a few months ago, like Liam had sent a message to Noel's daughter and things like this. And so there's all that horrible family stuff that's just very unpleasant. So what that means is really... I think that something would have to change significantly there to be the first thing to actually get them in the room together. Because so either that's Noel, uh, somehow Liam and Sarah buried the hatch up with Sarah. Those are really the two only two ways I can see that happening. Um, this is awful, but the Stone Roses got back together a few years ago, and the reason was they met at Manny's mum's funeral. So yeah. the only it's horrible to say, but I think the way it would happen, you need Noel and Liam to get in the same room together, number one, which they haven't done for over 10 years. It will probably be their mum's funeral when Peggy dies, because then they'd have to be in the same room together. Right. So at that point, it's awful to say, but that is the one thing that I think could stay at least in the same room together. And then could discussions happen? Could they then bury the hatchet? Um, and then maybe only then, I think, could something potentially happen. But then you've got, well, we know Liam would do it in a heartbeat. Noel had, doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. He doesn't want the hassle. When you see him on tour now with the High Flying Birds, they're a brilliant band. Um, you know, their music might not be everyone's cup of tea, but the band, as in a bunch of players on stage, are brilliant. Noel's got no hassle, no grief. He gets on with all the members. He doesn't have, you know, he can do what he wants. He can be centre stage. He tours when he wants, records when he wants. He's got a great life. So why would he open himself up to having to work with Liam, who is notoriously difficult, might not turn up for her? And Noel has to shift from being back to the side of the stage again. So there's no reason for Noel to do this um, other than, oh, sorry, let's just do it because it'd be great. So, yeah. So that's the long answer. The short answer is no, unless there's some very, very specific circumstances. Yeah, I think like for me, I thought up until about six months ago, I think I was thinking, I think they probably will because they were starting last year. There was a few rumblings in papers and I thought, oh, maybe. And then as soon as uh, Liam had posted to Noel's daughter, I was just like, yeah, that's probably the end of it. Because mm. once you start, as a father myself, like I'm, you know, everyone's very protective of their children. And um, there's like a line, like, and I think siblings yeah. argue the wife was probably too far, but the daughter was definitely too far. Um, and I think it would take a lot to come back from that. However, yeah. it, you know, there's always I've I've seen, you know, family members and people and friends fall out. And I think they're never going to, you know, they're never going to have anything to do with each other ever again. And then, mm. you know, 10, 15 years later, they they are back on speaking terms and friends and, you know, mm. as if as if they never had um, those problems. But 
Um, Liam doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's, you know, I don't know him, so I can't, maybe shouldn't comment, but he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to apologize to, to Noel's wife and, you know, say, sorry, <laughs> um, sorry about that. You know, I was being a dick or whatever. I just can't mm-hmm. imagine it. But then you don't, you know, you just never know. Cause like you say, Liam would do it in a heartbeat. He's mm-hmm. openly, you know, openly said he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, as a fan, that's like the dream, isn't it? Is to mm. just to see them do one tour. It'll probably be bloody all sorts of carnage in various ways, and they probably mm. finish the tour by arguing and splitting up again. <laughs> but yes, it's, uh, it's yeah. certainly interesting. What about so about Liam then? What do you make of? Uh, all right, first first question on Liam. Do you think that he is the greatest frontman of a band ever? Well, that's very interesting. Um, so by front man, you're taking away people like Paul McCartney, John Lennon, I suppose, because mm-hmm. then um, as a front man is a specific thing. Yeah. So I'll be number one, but he's on the Mount Rushmore, Mercury, who is very difficult to argue against because in terms of vocal and performance and everything, you know, Freddie Mercury is pretty untouchable. Yeah. Liam's a different... Liam, uh, Liam's a different kettle of fish because he's he doesn't perform, you know, he just sings and you know and stares at the crowd and that sort of thing. So it's a very different thing to what someone like Freddie does. I think I think that um, probably chuck in Jagger and I'm not sure because he's in in the conversation. But yeah, for me, it's a straight shoot out between Mercury and Gallagher, and it really comes down to what you prefer. Um, if you prefer the sort of the more theatrical and over the top then you'll go with Mercury. If you prefer the more rock and roll, then you'll go with Gallagher. Yeah, I think so. It's um, definitely it's a personal choice, isn't it? There's just um, there's something special about Liam. He's just got this charisma and this um, this presence on a stage that when he, you know, when he used to come out for Oasis and even now with his solo shows, is <clears throat> when he comes out, uh, like people are glued to him. They want his... Mm. And I think some of it's probably because he is quite unpredictable and he can, mm. you know, he can have like a, a bit of a tantrum or he can kick off and it can, so you, you, you're almost looking for that as much as you are, yeah. you know, his on, on stage presence and stuff. Um, what yeah. about, on that, on that side, on. actually, I'll, I'll just say that a couple of other names spring to mind when you say that. Um, I love the Pogues and Shane McGowan's got that a hundred percent. You know, when you go and see, the Pogues in recent years. I mean, Shane's a mess. You know, he, he can't, he'll miss it when he's supposed to come in. And you can see the other guys in the band, like, shaking their heads and going, oh, come on. You know, he just keeps getting it wrong. And they'll have to sing in until he knows to join in. But this is a shambles. He's on stage. He's the stage. And, and the songs that sounds without him. And that's the time you go to the bar. It's not interesting. You know, the musicianship is 100% better without him there. But as soon as he's not there, not interested. So, you know, and it's the same with um, Pete Doherty as well. You know, having seen him, you know, I'm not as big a fan of him. And I saw him a couple of years ago. And his sort of, his kind of routine feels a bit well-trod now. Like, okay, mate, you know, that's fine. Can't you just actually do it properly now? You know, I don't really give him the the same sort of leeway as I give... uh, someone like shane but um but yeah no it is it is that captivating factor of you know the danger and you're absolutely right liam you know he's often i just at this gig on on tuesday in birmingham at the end of the song at the end of last song which was cigarettes and alcohol all the other band members had left and the feedback's just going from the guitars and he's just put his parker he's put his hood up he zipped it up and he's just stood there as his feedback's around and everyone's sort of standing around like, what's he doing? And he's just stood there and he just stood stock still for about five minutes. And then he just pulled it off again, like had a, and laughed and walked off like that. And so it was just, he was just winding us up. Like, you're like, what is he going to do? And he's got that, that not many other people have got. Absolutely. Um, you just mentioned the um, uh, Pete Doherty. When, um, when the Libertines came out, I um I really like the Libertines. There's um there's well, I forget which album it is. There's one album which is like it's amazing. I really really like it. Um and obviously like drugs just ruined uh ruined the band or with Pete and they fell out and stuff. But like I thought the Libertines were gonna really take off after that album and become mm. the the next like 
proper worldwide yeah. British band, and and sadly they just they just didn't they didn't I just feel like they didn't achieve what they potentially mm. could have because they're very talented um, you know mm. musicians and Pete Doherty at that point was a good front man they had mm. everything and it just never quite got, I felt I felt anyway it never quite got to the to the kind of the limits and where where it could have gone I think. Yeah, but I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I think that we've got two classic albums, um, you know, and great singles and, you know, and they caused such a riot at the time. You know, it will be one of those rock and roll stories. And they did a third album, didn't they? But I didn't, didn't think yeah. that was that great. But like, um, you know, so that period, that early 2000s period where, you know, they were together and just, you know, it was exciting and they were really, really exciting. And I think it's almost... It's almost like that kind of, um, you know, uh, Greta Garbo, I want to be alone or whatever. They they didn't sort of just keep going and going and going and another album, another tour, another album, another tour. Like the Manics, you know. Um, I've been the Manics loads of times. I saw them a couple of years ago and it just feels like, okay, that's all. Another tour. But the Manics shouldn't have been that. You know, they should have, they should have quit. You know, maybe probably, you know, not after Richie left, uh, went, but, you know, maybe after kind of the uh, everything must go or after this is my truth. OK, you've, you've told your story. That is your your story is done now. I think that would have been the time to stop and move on. And then that you would have had this perfect kind of six albums or whatever it was as like this was the story. Whereas they've just kept going. And there's been some great music in that time. But. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Well, you know, there yeah. you go. It's, it's sort of, they've, they've just kept going. And it's, a, you know, it's been great and, and fair play to them. And who am I to tell them? No, 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 you shouldn't be touring and, you know, putting on amazing shows for these fans. And, and yeah, but it's just a shame that it's not, you know, the story isn't as good that way. Yeah. And I think with the Manics, sometimes I've, I've like their more recent stuff. I just kind of look at it and I listen to it and I just... It feels it doesn't feel as special as mm. their early stuff. Like the, some of their early stuff was really exciting and special, and you felt like you were witnessing something special. Whereas mm. their more recent stuff and their newer stuff, I feel like is, is I don't want to say half-assed because that mm. sounds like I'm crit- like I'm not saying that it's terrible, but it just feels meh rather than exciting and fresh and good. Um, and you know, any new album mm-hmm. should feel fresh and good and new and something new. And I sometimes feel like their their more recent stuff doesn't feel new, um, which yeah. you know, is a bit of a problem. I mean, the, the point I made, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, but it feels like they've been celebrating their legacy for about 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, now we're going to do an album that is like, um you know that journal for plague lovers which was like you know almost like holy bible 2 and then it's like and then they did the album that's like you know oh we're getting back to the everything must go sound now and it's like you know it's like another greatest hits it feels like they're constantly celebrating their legacy but you can do that once you know i mean you can't then do that for 10 years or whatever but you know hey look they're they're you know they are you know they're one of my favorite bands i love the manics so um they um there you go Another band I heard recently, uh, I heard them on Radio X and they had a new single out was Shed 7. Um, I've always oh, yeah. been a bit of a fan of Shed 7. I, they got a couple of classic songs, obviously. Um, but I actually really liked their new song, um, which mm. they played on Radio X, um, which I was quite surprised. But they, they, I think they kind of took a break and then they come back. Um, and I hope that, you know, my, my hope is for, for bands like Shed 7, um, like a smaller band, you know, who didn't get to the levels of, your Oasis is and your and your Stone Roses or your your Manic Street Preachers with the worldwide kind of fame, you know they did very well and they they were big at the time. My hope is always that when they come back and do these comeback tours and they and they go touring again is that they just they make money and they mm. you know it just, I want them to their their talents to be kind of appreciated by today's sure. music fan and they get mm. bas- basically they get paid because they're very you know. Shed Seven, for example, mm. I think of a very, very good band, uh, which mm. perhaps didn't get the credit they deserved because of the other bands that were around at the time. Yeah, yeah, because they were like the nineteenth best band or whatever of like yeah. nineteen ninety six. But you know, that was because there was amazing bands. But 
I, I interviewed Rick Witter actually, and he's a great guy. He would he'd probably do your podcast. He's a lovely guy. Um, uh, but he's um, so they they did split up. Well, they they sort of went away for quite a long time, but then they've been doing these tours. They call it Shed Semba, and they do every two years. They do a big sort of December tour, and it's amazing because, like you said, at the time they were sort of a mid-level band, whereas now on the last tour, Cast were supporting them. That's you know, and I would, you, yeah, you'd put Cast, you know, you'd say like Oasis and Oasis were here, and you've got Blur and Pulp, and then you've got like Ocean Color Scene, Manix, Cast, and you'd have Shed 7 down here, whereas actually Shed 7 higher now, and I think it's a way, and, um, you know, they, and, they, and they've been, I was talking to the guy, you know, the, the Star Shapes Nights, and Rob, who runs those, I've sort of talked to him quite a bit, and there's a lot of people that haven't gone away. And so if you were just constantly gigging, then naturally, you know, if you're doing 300 shows a year, then naturally you're going to be smaller shows. So yeah. someone like the Blue Tones, like Mark Morris, uh, Dodgy, like these bands that haven't gone away, they've just kept playing and playing and playing. So they tend to play much smaller places, um, like Tom Hingley from the Inspiral Carpets, who play pubs, you know, but which is fair play if that's what you want to do, that you want to be a working musician you want to play every night you can play every night but it will be to 100 people not 10,000 people whereas yeah shed seven they're very clever they do festivals and then they do the shed Semba once every two years and they sell out arenas you know it's amazing that's really. incredible, isn't it? yeah that's yeah. amazing that is just it out so you just cut out a bit then um yeah no that's it that's that's awesome to hear that they're you know doing so well and i bet those events are amazing because because mm. you know you've got to wait two years to to you know to mm. go there and to to see them live it makes it special exactly yeah 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 um so uh final question then to finish off what is your favorite oasis album <laughs> okay that's tricky um so favorite is difficult best is difficult right because this is where you know i'm a pedant and i'm a geek so these I, I sort of have to be very specific about these things i did a um like a spreadsheet breakdown of i rated every single oasis song out of 10 and then so so i can give you like averages per era or per album and the best album is in terms of the physically the highest number uh, average song rating is morning glory right morning glory is the highest rated you know, I think you've got, you know, songs on there that there's very little that's below like a nine or an eight. Um, my favorite, as in probably the one that means the most to me, is probably Be Here Now, because I was 17 when Be Here Now came out in August 97. So that to me was the soundtrack of me kind of going, you know, ending six, four, being in a band, going to Be Here Now is album me. Uh, the height of my Oasis fandom, um, whereas maybe is the is the one I probably is the the best listen to just stick on. You know, I'm going on the road trip, just stick on. Definitely, maybe it's like 45 minutes of just brilliance. So those three are neck and neck in their own sort of different ways, really. Um, but in terms of my favourite, I'd probably go be here now because, as I say, it's the one that means the most to me. Yeah, I am. Um, what's the what what's the story? is kind of my go-to listen um but yeah i'm the same be here now i was like 16 17 when that came out i remember using my paper round money to buy it on cd <laughs> and just being you know in awe and just listening listening to do you know what i mean every like on repeat and stuff like that but actually one of my favorite albums is um the master plan um, yeah, it's just it's I love it. It's and, and and when you think that's an album of B-sides and live performances, it shows how special Oasis were that they could put out an album of B-sides and it be mm. pretty much as good as anything anyone else has put out. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think of it as an album. So I because I, 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 you know, I have. So. 
he listened to it as now I would listen I mean it came out but I would listen to you know the some say single to hear acquiesce you know I would and so yeah. that's how I did it so I never really thought of it as an album like I couldn't tell you the track listing I know it ends with master plan um, but I couldn't tell you the track list because it's on my shelf I've listened to it a few times but I always tended to listen to them as singles so a lot of people will say that that that's their favorite album and I suppose if you're driving around with the CD in your car and that was the CD that you go to the most then absolutely I can that as an album as a collection of songs it's unbelievable i spoke in the gear about you know why did you put something like the master plan song on a b-side like why would you put acquiesce on a b-side this doesn't make sense why didn't you hold them back um and his answer was look we didn't realize we thought this was going to carry on forever we thought this this vein of Noel songwriting was going to go on forever like we just thought he was going to come up with a master plan and an acquiesce and you know all these um, talk tonights and all these amazing songs we thought he was just going to keep being able to write them um but yeah he said his he was he said that's my fault you know that's my fault because as the record boss he could have said he could have put his foot down and said no you know we're not putting acquiesce on the b-side of somebody say hold it back and they could have put out you know another uh, you know, if you imagine like a lot of those B-sides going on Be Here Now instead of some of the weaker Be Here Now songs, I mean, that would have been a, an incredible third album that probably would have sold, you know, in the Morning Glory levels as well. But they didn't do yeah. it because they just but but it made it more special, you know, and, and when you look at the record books, you know, the, the weeks on chart, when you look at like 95, 96, 97, those basically EPs, you know, these four track CDs uh, were just constantly selling. And because it was the, you know, before the Master Plan CD came out, it was the only way of getting hold of a lot of these songs. Because it might be one song and then two remixes, whatever. Whereas, you know, forks that are all brilliant. And so you pay four quid at HMV and you'd get like this mini EP of four absolutely amazing songs. You know, you say, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Has um, Stay Young. Uh, Angel Child, and then what's the cover? I think it might be Heroes. But... Yeah, it was it's a really special time, and I, like I say, I'd love to. Um, I hope one day I'll be able to get Adam McGee on my podcast because I'd love to pick his brains about like the stuff that which you were just talking about there. It's it's really uh, really interesting to me just to hear that side of it as well as hearing you know like stories about living it, but just also like the stuff about the B sides. I find fascinating because. They had so many good B sides that could have been number one singles. That is, you know, it's, 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 I, I don't think anyone's ever done that really. Like, I can't think of another band who's got, um, uh, like a catalogue of B sides that are good enough and or would have been good enough to release as singles and probably would have done very, very well. The majority mm. of them. Yeah, I think that the um. The Beatles, I think you could probably say they had quite a few good B-sides. Uh, I think The Jam, um, definitely, and The Smiths. I think those those three are bands, well, I think, I suppose The the Jam and The Smiths inspired by The Beatles to do that. You know, How Soon Is Now was going to be a B-side, you know what I mean? So, mm. so those, I think those two were definitely in that world of, you know, no, we're going to, and then there's some roses as well, you know, going to the roses. I mean, they that, rain, that vein of form that they were in, you know, with the... Um, what the world is waiting for and Mercy nice and going down and like there's there the complete stone roses album is you know just as good as the stone roses with just all those other songs from around there it was definitely a thing and and i wonder you know it's not an american the american thing was always the albums but i think there have been these um british bands that have no we're gonna we are gonna put some great songs on the b-sides so uh yeah, it's definitely the tradition of some of those great bands, but I think yeah, they did definitely take it to that next level. Complete Stone Roses, one of my favourite albums of all time as mm. well. Whether it's that's mm. a thing of beauty. Mm. Um, okay, uh, James, tell the people where they can find your podcast and where they can find you on social media. Well, search uh, Oasis Podcast um, anywhere on the internet and you'll probably find it. Uh, it's not Listen Up, the Oasis Podcast. It is Oasis Podcast. Uh, I have got oasispodcast.co.uk, um, which just takes you to the audio boom sort of page, so, which is where the podcast is hosted. Uh, I'm on Oasis Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Oasis Pod. 
on Instagram and you can support me on Patreon if you want to, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash Oasis pod, which is where we do um, exclusive extra episodes and things like that. Like I did my top 10 BDI songs and things like that. that I probably wouldn't do on the main podcast page, but we'll do on the um, on the Patreon page. So, yeah, if people want to chuck me a couple of quid, then we do that. And uh, yeah, and stay in touch because we do do these events around the country as well. And there's more exciting things. Yeah, definitely. Real- yeah, definitely, mate. I um, I I'm gonna be keeping a close eye uh, on some of those events and things you've got going on because they all look uh, they look like they were real good time. Uh, the ones like looking back, um, guys, you can find me on uh, Twitter at acecast underscore nation, Facebook dot com slash acecast cast nation. Um, all the shows in video form at uh, YouTube dot com slash ace podcast nation. And uh, audio at iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Apple Pods, everywhere. Uh, James, thank you for joining me, mate. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak again very soon. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.